Thank you, Lord. Well, we're talking about biblical time management. We're talking about repositioning your use of time. And last week, I began to address a number of issues, and I said to you, you don't really manage time. You manage your use of time. You can't really manage time. Time is like air. Time is a constant. Amen? I can't manage the air around me. I can't just change it to, oh, I don't feel like it being oxygen. Maybe just change it to hydrogen. I can't do that, right? I just breathe it. I just adjust myself. I, wear, I put on a gas mask or something if I'm in environments that have lots of pollution. Amen? So you manage your use of time. So it's not so much managing time, but your use of time. You can't really manage time, but you manage your purpose. You manage your purpose. And when you know your purpose, you're wise with your use of time. So I don't know about you, but I want to maximize praise to God in every moment of my life. And I said to you that what tends to happen with a lot of people, they say, you know, it's fine. I'm going to just chill for the next number of years. Then I'll really use my time wisely when I'm older and more mature and I'm more settled and I can't mess around. But it doesn't work that way. Why? Because every moment of my time is an investment. Amen. You don't spend time. You invest time. Right? So my question to you is, have you been killing time? Have you been spending time? Or are you investing time? Think about it. Amen? Just think about it. So God wants to take us to a place where we understand the law of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping. I sow my time and I will reap based on how I've sown my time. Is everyone following? And I think God is just so good as he gives us this revelation because if you say i'll mess around with my life right now in the next number of years that messing around is a sowing and the bible tells us that when you sow into the flesh you reap corruption what is corruption death but he who sows into the spirit reaps eternal life isn't that powerful so my question to you is what are you doing with the gift of time that god has given you Time is a gift, and God has given me time as a gift. I shared with you last week how the Lord rebuked me because I would keep complaining and saying, mm, I just don't have time. I'm in a special case. I've got a very busy consultancy. I've got a very busy church ministry life, and I've got very busy kids. Amen? And I've got a wife. You know, with your wife, you can't really say, and I've got a needy wife, okay? I've got a wife who's wonderful and I enjoy spending time with her. So I've got all these things that I'm managing in my life. And I would complain, I would say, Lord, I'm a special case. Lord, I'm a special case. And he rebuked me and he said, instead of complaining about how much time you don't have, begin to celebrate and praise me for the time you do have because it's a gift. Amen. My goal is that each of us today can relinquish our time to the Lord. This is where we have a stewardship mindset that says, the time I have is a gift from God. And we literally let go. And we say, God, how would you have me maximize on glorifying Jesus with this next hour? You see, the deception many of us face is we think of life as many years instead of thinking of life in moments. So we say, generally speaking, I'm sure by the end of my life, 
God will look and say, well done, good and faithful servant, because I got 60%. In other words, for most of my life, I was praising him. For most of my life, I was living for him. So, I, you know, I, I passed. Right? But rather, let's look at life in moments. Let's look at life in moments where we pause and we say, this next half an hour, what's the best use of it? This next two hours, what's the best use of it? How can I glorify Jesus with my use of time? Amen. So now today our focus, we're going to be looking at nine key scriptures, nine key scriptures with regards to what the Bible says about our use of time. And then next week, Sunday, that's when I'll be preaching a very practical message where we'll talk about common time wasters and how we can become more efficient. And then we'll start talking about things that kill our use of time. We'll start talking about overcoming procrastination. We'll start talking about perfectionism because very often perfectionism is a very inefficient way of living amen how many perfectionists do we have here you can raise your hands okay we'll be talking about that next week are you ready ladies and gentlemen you can talk it's fine are you steady okay let's get going we ought to be wise with our use of time Ephesians 5 verses 15 to 17 See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time. And remember last week we spoke about what that word redeeming means. The word to redeem means to buy back. It means to reclaim, to repossess something that you had. Right? Redeeming the time. Why? Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. This is such a powerful scripture. Such a powerful scripture. We ought to be wise in our use of time. How many of you know that one of the chief areas in which wisdom manifests in, is in how you use your time? And one of the chief areas in which foolishness manifests is in how you use your time. And so the language we should be using more and more is that wasn't a very wise use of your time how did you do today did you use your time wisely oh that was very foolish of you to have used your time in such a manner I'm praying this morning that the fear of the Lord comes upon us with regards to the gift of time that God has given us and how we use it so if you're talking to me about a wise man one of the first things you will notice is that a wise man uses his time well amen so wisdom is seen largely in how you spend your time. And inefficiency is often a reflection of foolishness. Often when you're inefficient in how you use your time, it's a reflection of your foolishness. Could it be that you're always tired, not because you have a lot to do, but you've been unwise in how you schedule your activities? Many, us, many of us complain and we say, oh, you know what? I'm so tired. I'm just finished. I'm not coping. Is it because you've got so much that you're doing or is it because you are inefficient in your use of time? You're unwise. You know, one of the things that I was involved in some years ago, 
probably about, it was in about 2000, somewhere there, 2001, maybe a bit later. I was working in an organization and we realized that one of our biggest time wasters were the number of meetings we had. How many of you know that meetings are often big time wasters? How many of you find that you go to work and you spend the whole day in back-to-back -back meetings and then in the evening you can't spend time with your children because you're only starting then to do your work? Are you feeling me on that one? Right? And in this organization we sat down and we said to ourselves, let's do an audit and I encourage you to do the same thing. Let's do an audit of all the meetings that take place in this organization. And it was interesting because we discovered that we had board meetings, we had operations meetings, we had work group gatherings. You know work group gatherings? It's where you just gather together to work. It's not really a meeting. You know, everyone is just starting from scratch. No one is prepared for the meeting. It's a work group gathering. We realized that we had monthly meetings, we had weekly meetings, we had fortnightly meetings, we had biannual meetings. And we looked and we did an audit of all these meetings and guess what we realized? We started seeing some interesting things. We realized that this meeting that's a weekly meeting doesn't need to be a weekly meeting, it can be a monthly one. And then this meeting over here and this meeting over there, it's got the same crowd in it. Why don't we just merge these two meetings together instead of having two meetings? And then we realize that, wait a minute, some of these meetings have got the wrong people in them. How many know that that's one of the worst things? Because you're sitting there having a discussion and each person is saying, yeah, but I'll check with so-and-so. Oh yeah, but I'll check with so-and-so. Ah, but I'm not empowered to actually make a decision on this matter. Because no decision makers are in the meeting. And then what will happen is you'll have another meeting where the decision makers are present. So my question is, why did we have the first meeting? Are you following this morning? I'm telling you right now, meetings are often the biggest time wasters that we experience. We'll talk a bit more about that next week. But it's an example of inefficiency. In this church, we've tried to be minimalist about the number of meetings we have. Some of you have come forward and says, let's do this, let's start this. But I'm very cautious about that because we want to maximize on our use of time. What are the time wasters in your life? Where are you being foolish in how you use your time? I've prayed over some people a couple of times and I've said to them, you know what, what used to take you months to do, you'll now do in weeks. That's redeeming the time. It's where there's a spirit of acceleration that comes upon you and people look and they say, how do you do everything that you do? It's because you've redeemed the time. Let's pray for each other this morning that we redeem the time, that we are wise in our use of time. Amen? I shared with you the story that, was, that has been used often about the oil. Right? If you didn't listen to the message, please just go and catch it on the website. I'm not going to rehash it. But about the use of oil. And this guy who was supposed to be managing a lighthouse kept on giving his oil to people who needed it. And then there was a big crash where ships were crashing. And people said, what happened? And he says, well, I used my oil for other things. And he says, we didn't give you oil to use for other things. We gave you oil to light up the lighthouse. And how many of you know that we've been given enough oil to do God's will for our lives? God's will will never take you where his grace cannot sustain you. Whenever God breathes life into you, whenever God, when you, you receive a prophetic word that you will do A, B, C, D, he also gives you the ability to do it. Isn't that wonderful? But one of the reasons why we derail ourselves from the purposes of God in our lives is we are distracted and we use the oil that God has given us to do what he's called us to do, our assignment. We use it for other things foolishness in our use of time. 
So we ought to be, to be wise in our use of time. Number two, there's a relationship between using time productively and knowing God's will for our lives. Isn't it powerful when we look in this scripture, we see that it says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So in other words, when you don't know God's will for your life, you are being foolish. Why are you being foolish? Because you end up being one of those people, when you get to the judgment seat of Christ one day, he wants to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And you're saying, Lord, I did this, but I did this, but I did that. And he's like, but were you faithful with what I called you to do? Do not be unwise, but know what the will of God is. And you know what I've noticed about many people? They're very efficient, but they're efficiently doing the wrong thing. They're very efficient in how they manage their time, but they're efficient in the wrong direction. Just think about that. We need to know the will of God for our lives. If you don't know God's will for your life, you could be very efficient, but efficiently doing the wrong thing. Alternatively, many people find themselves in a space where they're very distracted. So they dance around their life purpose, they talk about it, but they're often distracted in other areas. And so they end up partially fulfilling God's will for their lives. And the enemy is very crafty about this because he will convince you that you're actually in God's will because you're doing it. But the problem is you're only doing God's will once every three months. I've said to you before, why are some people whom we admire so much, we look at them and we think to ourselves, wow, they're so brilliant. Maybe they just have something special. No, they're so brilliant, a lot of them, because they're functioning in their purpose. That's what God has graced them to do. And they do it most of the time. So they go from good to great in that particular arena. Amen. So there's a relationship between using your time productively and knowing God's will for your life. What is God's will for your life? What is God's will for you in this season? You see, many people will say, I am called to be a teacher of the word. That's fine. Understanding the general purpose of God in your life. But how many of you know that if we look in scripture, it talks about the sons of Issachar. In 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32, I'm going to read from the NLT. It says from, they, they were from the tribe of Issachar. Okay, that is one of the 12 tribes, right? It says there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. When you understand the season, when you understand the signs of the times, when you understand not just your general purpose, but the specific purpose for this season, you then know what course to take. That is wisdom. That is wisdom. You see, you might know that, oh, God has called me to be a teacher of the word. That's my general purpose in life. But what is he calling you to do right now? Is he calling you to go and study in a Bible school? Is he calling you to launch out and start a Bible school? Is he calling you to read as many books as possible? Is he calling you to shadow someone who's a strong teacher of the word? That is wisdom and understanding. So you might have knowledge of his will, but you have wisdom and understanding concerning the season. 
And when you know that, you're able to use your time wisely. What I've seen with a lot of Christians is they understand the general purpose of God for their lives, but they don't understand the times and the seasons that they're in right now. What season are you in right now? That will determine the course that you're going to take. C. The need does not always constitute a call. The need does not always constitute a call. This is so powerful. Have a look at Mark chapter 6. We're going to look from verse 30 to 44. And the apostles gathered themselves to Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. In other words, they gave him feedback. And he said to them, come aside into a deserted place and rest a little. That's a word for some of you right now. You've been doing amazing things and you want to launch out again and do those things. But God is saying to you, come aside and rest a little. Come aside and rest a little. It's okay. Don't feel guilty. How many of you feel guilty when you rest? I had a very interesting Saturday this Saturday because most Saturdays for us, it's like you, you know, quarter to seven, you're dropping off your kids at different places for cricket, you know. Um, Friday afternoon, you would have had galas watching them and so on, you know. Saturday, there's, some, there's always something. How many of you feel that way? How many sometimes feel like you don't have a weekend? You don't get a weekend, right? I'm seeing many hands going up. I see a hand there. Oh, it would be wonderful if this was an altar call. I see that hand. I see that hand, right? And, and my wife and I were say. When was the last time we had this? You know, it was after Ignite, right? Went to bed late. And I just thought to myself, and the kids were all at, um, were at their grandparents, okay? That's sometimes quite nice. It's a nice novelty. And we're like, the house is so quiet. The house is so clean. <laughs> okay? I didn't feel guilty about it at all. <laughs> but some of you, the moment you sit down, you feel guilty. And we'll cover this in the Freedom Project. Because for some of us, we have to come to a place where we're comfortable just being ourselves. Separate from our tasks. Separate from our activities. There's some people who have to always be busy. And they're uncomfortable with silence. They're uncomfortable not doing anything. I just want to release you. It's okay. I know some wives are going to go home today and they're going to be relaxing and the husbands are going to be saying like, hey, how come you haven't done this? Did you hear what the pastor said today? <laughs> I release you. <laughs> okay. So I find it very interesting that Jesus says this. He said, come aside into a deserted place and rest a little. So those of you who are clever can say, hey, but it just says a little, not a lot. <laughs> right? Then he goes on to say, for there were many coming and going, and they had no opportunity even to eat. Some of you, when you don't have the opportunity to eat, you think God is so proud of you. And you say, look how much I've sacrificed. I'm serving everyone. I haven't even eaten all day because I really love my family and I'm serving them. But Jesus here, yeah, the reason they took time aside is because they hadn't even had the opportunity to eat. It says, and they departed by boat into a deserted place. And the crowd saw them leaving, and many knew him, and they ran together on foot there. And I was looking at this, and I thought to myself, I'm sure it took them a bit of time, because Jesus had a shortcut. 
He had a shortcut. He went by boat. And then these guys went by foot. And I don't know how long it was that Jesus and his apostles and his disciples could rest. But it says, and they ran together on foot there out of the cities. And they went before them and came together to him. And going out, Jesus saw a large crowd and he was moved with compassion toward them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. But it came from a place of rest. So Jesus in his ministry had this balance between teaching the people, having compassion on them, and also going out to a deserted place. And for some of you moms, a deserted place might be just locking yourself in the bathroom just to escape from the kids for, a, for a 30 minutes. Don't feel guilty. No, because a lot, a lot, you see it happening with a lot of working moms in particular. They work, 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 and then they feel like, oh, but I haven't seen my kids. But you know what? Sometimes you actually need... We call it with men, we say cave time. I don't know what moms need, but sometimes you actually need that time out, that space, conserving your energy so that you're a better person to be around when you then pour into them. I've said this before because you have some people, they come home from work and they're wondering, why are my kids so highly strung? And I say they're absorbing you. You're passing on something. You pass on who you are especially to the people you're in spiritual authority over. Amen? There's nothing wrong with self-care. There's nothing wrong with taking care of yourself. It's so important. How many of you know that one of the best gifts you can give the people around you is your own personal development, is looking after yourself? It's one of the best gifts. If you've got anger issues, Working on yourself and dealing with that and always being in a place of peace is probably one of the best gifts you can give the people around you. Amen? And so we see that Jesus did this. And so what is this speaking about? It's speaking about boundaries, ladies and gentlemen. It's speaking about boundaries. When we talk about boundaries, it's what we call space boundaries. God has given you your space. When my wife got her new car, she said to the kids, kids, no eating in this car. It's her space, no eating in this car. Amen? I know some people are thinking, Paul, how long did that last? <laughs> right? A space boundary is where you can say, guys, no smoking in this lounge. If you want to smoke, go outside and just watch what direction the wind is blowing. But no smoking in this lounge. It's your space. And Jesus had boundaries. The crowd is coming at him and he just says, let's go to a deserted place by boat. <laughs> some of you need that. Some of you need that. When we talk about boundaries, boundaries have something to do with what we call setting limits. Setting limits. So if you've got a spouse who loves entertaining and they're always entertaining, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey guys, it's been real. I'm just going to bed now. I'm going upstairs or across to my room. I'm just going to sleep now. I have to wake up early tomorrow morning. Nothing wrong with that. It's not being rude. And often when I teach on this, people will say, hey Paul, in my culture. Hey Paul. Nothing wrong with that. Why? You are preserving the oil that the Lord has given you for what he has called you to do. It's important to understand what your primary assignment is. I have to have a revelation. This is my primary assignment. And then I flow with that. And anything that distracts me from that, I have to guard against it. 
There was a time when I'd be invited to other churches to preach and I was on a kind of moratorium in terms of going there because I knew that we needed to establish the church. Then at a certain point, I released myself and I said to myself, you know what, I'm going to start going and I'll accept invitations but only for leadership development training. Are you following? Because I knew that God had called me in 98 as a prophetic voice to raise up leaders. So when I was now being invited, I was saying, is it to do with leadership? And how many of you know that when you know your purpose, it's easy to make those kinds of decisions? Amen? When you don't know your purpose, you'll say yes to everything. Many people today have collapsed boundaries. You see, on the one extreme, we have collapsed boundaries where Paul doesn't know where does Paul end and where does Sipiwe begin. And then on the other extreme, you have some people who've got rigid boundaries where it's very difficult to break through into them. Please, if my eyes land on you, I'm not thinking of you, okay? I'm just trying to connect with the audience. You know, sometimes as a pastor, you're preaching and so on, your eyes land on someone, and then afterwards, you're like, Were you meaning me? I know you think I've got rigid boundaries. Were you talking about me? All right? God has called us to have healthy boundaries. Healthy boundaries. Amen? Each moment that you use is an investment. What are you investing in? I want to invest my time only in things that honor God and extend his kingdom. Life is too short. I want to invest my time only in things that honor God and extend his kingdom. D. Our activities should ultimately be directed by the Father's will. Our activities should ultimately be directed by the Father's will. Let's have a look at Mark chapter 1, verses 32 to 39. And at evening, when the sun set, they brought all those who were diseased to him. That's quite hectic, because people were sick in those days, eh? Medical science was, what, was not what it is like, like now. Imagine, they brought all those who were diseased to him and those who had been demon-possessed. Imagine that, spending your Sunday afternoon with all those in Centurion who are diseased and demon-possessed. All right? And it says, and all the city had gathered at the door. So you're complaining about your two kids or your three kids hounding you and Jesus has got all the city gathered by his door. <laughs> Picture that. And he healed many who were sick of different diseases and cast out many demons. So for those who don't believe in casting out devils, Jesus did lots of that. And he did not allow the demons to speak because he knew them. And rising up quite early in the night. So he had had quite a full day. Yeah? When the city gathers on your doorstep. It's quite a full day, isn't it? Right? But look, it says, and rising up quite early in the night. Powerful. He went out and went away into a deserted place. Seems like Jesus liked deserted places. And what was he doing there? 
and he was praying there. I wonder what he was praying about. I have a sneaky suspicion Jesus might have been actually asking his father, Father, what do I do with these crowds? Do we settle here? But what's my purpose? Just remind me again. Oh, or should I actually be going somewhere else? Because he had a very clear answer when people were looking for him. It says, and Simon and those with him searched for him. How many of you are searched for? Sometimes I'm in my study at home and I hear people calling me, Daddy, Daddy, my love, my love, my precious, Daddy, 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 oh, uh, right? And they were searching for him. And says, and finding him, they said to him, all are seeking you. And he said to them, Our call, is everyone seeking me? Okay, let's see what we can do. All are seeking you. And he said to them, Let us go into the next towns so that I may proclaim there also. For that reason I came forth. And he proclaimed in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out demons. Again, for those of you who don't believe in casting out devils. Anyway, so they're hounding him. They're looking for him. And he says, let's go to the other towns. For this reason, the son of man came. What's your reason? Because I can tell you right now, if you don't know for what reason you are here on this earth, you will be distracted. You'll just float along. Amen. I've said to you before that the unprepared person will always be at the mercy of the prepared person. You'll always be on someone else's schedule, someone else's program, making them rich, just floating along because you don't know your primary purpose. E. There is a time for everything. Many of you, I know you like this passage of scripture. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 to 8. To everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under the heavens. That's very powerful. To everything there is a season. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pull up what is planted. That's important to understand when it comes to finances. Are you sowing seed when it's reaping time? Are you reaping what you should be sowing? Sometimes there's money God blesses us with and he says, I want you to sow it because it's a time to sow. But we are reaping. Sometimes in our businesses, our businesses fail because we should be reinvesting in our business, sowing back into our business. But we think it's a time to reap. A time to kill are the things that need to be destroyed in your life. And a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. We often use that scripture when we're trying to help people. Singles. Singles. Right? There's a time to embrace and there's a time to refrain from embracing. 
A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. Some translations say a time to mend. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. Some people don't have wisdom there. Think talking time is all the time. A time to love and a time to hate. The Bible says hate what is evil, love what is good. There are certain things Christians are called to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. What time is it right now in your life? How many of you that sometimes we have to pick our battles? I know there are some people who love picking fight, picking fights, picking a fight. Sometimes there's a time to be quiet. Sometimes there's a ch- time to challenge the status quo. Sometimes there's a time to say to your boss, I need a raise. There are other times when you just have to pray and see God's face and trust him for the promotion. What time is it in your life right now? So important. I mean, if that one of the secrets to being strong in warfare, like in a normal battle, is doing things at the right time. If the ambush is just one minute early, it might be a problem. If it's one minute late, it might be a problem. Timing is crucial in warfare. And it's the same when it comes to spiritual warfare. Amen. If God has timing for certain things. God has timing for certain things. Galatians 4 verse 4. It says, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son. You know, I've sometimes thought about it. Why didn't Jesus come in 2000? I'm not talking about the second coming. I'm just saying even the first coming. Why did it happen when it happened? Bible says, but when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son. And I know there are different theories about it and so on. But there are certain things that happen in God's timing. Amen? Now, sometimes we don't know how to discern between, oh, this is happening because it was God's timing, or it's happening because it was my own foolishness that delayed God's timing. If we look in scripture, we will see, for example, it says that, and then the end will come. After what? After the gospel has been preached to all nations. So when God thinks of time, he thinks of purpose. And there are certain things he wants to accomplish in your life before he can do other things. Please hear me this morning. What happens is that life is arrived at in stages. And maybe you are praying for this breakthrough and you want something to happen. But the thing to pray for is, Lord, before this thing can happen in my life, what needs to line up so that it happens? Because God thinks in terms of purpose. In God's mind, he might be saying, I want to first deal with this issue in your character. And unless it's dealt with, you'll keep going round and round and round this mountain. I want you to first pass this test in your life. If you do not pass this test, I cannot raise you up to the next level. The Bible tells us that it's God who raises up one and puts down another. So promotion comes from above scriptures tell us so i want to figure out one of my books talks about the technology of spiritual promotion i want to figure out god's way of promoting if promotion comes from him and very often he thinks in terms of purpose and there's certain things he can only do after certain things have happened in our lives so god has a time for everything god has timing for certain things he has timing for certain things So that's F. 
And then G, we ought to conserve our energy levels by responsibly delegating certain activities. We ought to conserve our energy levels by responsibly delegating certain things. The people you care about the most, what do they need from you that only you can do? That only you can give them? I remember a particular lady, she's very high up in one of the banks, and I remember her saying to me, you know what, Paul? She's in her early 40s, an Indian lady, well known in business. And she said, you know what, Paul? I'm a good cook. But standing in front of the stove for an hour each evening is not the best use of my time. She's got two teenage daughters. And for her, she says to me, Paul, you know what? From 4.30 to about 8 p.m. every day, I'm doing homework with my girls. Paul, I can tell you all about what's happening in world, what happened in World War II. I can tell you all about that. That was the best use of her time. But for many of us, culturally, we've got certain weights placed on us. That no, you're a mother, so you must do X. You're a father, so you must do Y. But ask yourself, based on the assignment that God has given me, what is the best use of my time? One of the things I learned some time back is that a lot of the things that I loathe, there's some people out there who love those things. I used to feel bad passing on admin tasks to certain people because I thought, eh, that it'll be torture for you. How can I give you that to do? Until I realized that there's some people who love admin. I remember doing some work for a particular organization and these two ladies who worked in the finance and admin division, they said, oh, we just love admin. I love going through my to-do list, Paul. I love doing this. I love doing that. I said, can I just carry you around wherever I go in suitcases, please? And can you just help me with my admin? Amen. A lot of the things you love, someone else loathes. A lot of the things you loathe, someone else loves. And sometimes it's good to pass those things on to them so that you're freed up to do your primary assignment. Some of you have been trying to save money and on that basis, you don't want any domestic help. But could it be, and I felt I needed to say this this morning, could it be that paying someone to help you clean up and help you with certain activities as ho at home will free you up to do your primary assignment? Could it be that training up someone at work, although it's going to take you time to do that, it will save you time six months down the road. In Exodus 18, verses 17 to 24, and Moses, Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. But surely Moses was doing good stuff. He was judging the people. His father-in-law says, the thing that you do is not good. Could it be that some of you, that's what the Holy Spirit is saying right now. You are very busy doing spiritual things and it seems wonderful. But God is actually saying, the thing that you are doing is not good. You will surely wear away both you and this people that is with you. For this thing is too heavy for you. The reason why some people never delegate is they don't understand that what they're doing is too heavy for them. They haven't got enough self-awareness to actually see that they're not coping. You know those people where if they just put their hand up and say, please help me with this, that's a sign of weakness. But here Jethro was saying to his son-in-law, for this thing is too heavy for you. You're not able to perform it alone. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. 
You be for the people toward God, that you may bring the causes to God. And you shall teach them ordinances and laws, and shall make them know the way in which they must walk, and the work that they must do. You shall look out of all the people, able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating unjust gain, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, and rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. Now, it's so easy for us as pastors to fall into this trap because there's some people when they're sick they want the senior pastor it must be the senior pastor who comes to the hospital and sees me it can't be my small group leader but I'll tell you up front right now it's too heavy for me I don't have a problem saying that it's too heavy for me but there are people who are well able who are capable amen who can do many things and we need to release those people to do it Then he says that it shall be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they shall judge and make it easier for yourself and they shall bear with you. If you will do this thing and God command, that God commands you, then you shall be able to endure. You see, God is calling us to endure, but we can only endure if we delegate, if we're not trying to carry our own burdens, right? Then you shall be able to endure and all this people shall also go to their place in peace. And Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law. I believe it was the Holy Spirit speaking through him, through his father-in-law, and did all he had said. What is it that God is calling you to release? Think about it. In your business, what is it that God is calling you to outsource? And you're trying to be this hero doing everything. H, we should not take the time that we've been given for granted. We should not take the time that we've been given for granted. In, in the book of Psalms 90, verse 12, it says, So teach us to number our days, so that we may bring a heart of what? Wisdom. Teach us to number our days so that we may bring a heart of wisdom. You only have your kids for a while. So maximize on the years that you have with them. Amen. I've got my older brother David here today. It's actually his birthday. Yes, he's my older brother. And my nephew, Alistair, his firstborn son. And he's on his way down to UCT. And we were just thinking and reflecting, what are they going through as parents? It's like they've raised him well. Alistair is really great. But they've done what they can do. Amen? He's going to be a couple of thousand uh, Ks away from home. And they now have to trust God that whatever we've put in him, in the years that we had with him, the 20 years we've had with him at home, now he's going to be by himself. Amen? Teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days. Think about it. For many of us, with some of our kids, we've had them for more years than we're going to have them at home. They've got fewer years left at home than we've had them. Teach us to number our years. One of the biggest deceptions that we face as human beings is when we come to a place of thinking we've got forever. We don't. Have you noticed that the quality of your life increases and the quality of your relationships increase when you understand that you just have moments with people? 
when you know that you've got two hours with someone, you're often quite relaxed about it, aren't you? But when you know that this meeting is only going to be 30 minutes, I've only got 30 minutes with you, let me maximize. You come to the meeting prepared, don't you? Teach us to number our days. Have you noticed how your team plays better in extra time? All of a sudden, they're trying to score. All of a sudden, they're doing all the things that the coach had said they must do. And you think to yourself, why are the guys suddenly getting their act into gear and they've got so much energy? Why didn't they start the game like this? The time is numbered. They know they've just got four minutes left. Amen? Ladies and gentlemen, you don't know when you're going to go from this planet, when you're going to go, when you're going to die. We don't know. I wish I could say there's this guarantee and there's that guarantee, but there are no guarantees. Teach us to number our days. You don't know when your spouse is going to die. Teach us to number our days. How are we treating our loved ones? Teach us to number our days. We might have issues with each other. Do we waste time complaining, fighting? Or do we say, you know what? We've got this gift of time. Let's maximize on it. Teach us to number our days. How many of you know that cricket? How many of you like watching cricket? I know there'll just be a few hands only. Okay. Raquel Shooping, Emily. Okay. Alistair. Just a few hands going up. Right. How many of you who didn't raise your hand would raise your hand if I had said, how many of you like 2020 cricket? Cricket where there's limited overs. They're limited overs. Right. That's fun. Why? Because they have to maximize on every ball. Sometimes when we go and watch our kids playing cricket, we go and we watch them and then we're told oh, they're playing 35 overs and you see the parents complaining. We're like, hey guys, hey guys. And you see the kids just blocking the ball, blocking the ball, blocking the ball. But when the overs are limited, my son Samuel is like peeping, listening and so on. When the overs are limited, what happens? Let's maximize and you see these sixes. Here's the news. Life has limited overs. Life has limited overs. And while I'm here, while I'm fit, while I'm healthy, okay, I don't know about fitness, while I'm healthy, I want to maximize. There's certain things I need to do now, not in three years' time, not in five years' time. Let's not take the time for granted. Psalm 39 verse 4 says, O Lord, make me to know my end and the measure of my days what it is I know how frail I am you're not going to be here forever you're not going to be here forever I as I round up I want to say this powerful point we all have to give an account for how we used our time on earth we all have to give it an account of how we, for how we used our time on earth. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. It says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due to them for the things done through the body. 
How many feel the things we do through the body? We're going to have to give an account for what we've done through the body. Say to the person next to you, through the body. Okay. According to that which he has done, whether good or bad, we're going to have to give an account. Okay. Romans 14, verse 10 to 12. It says, but why do you judge your brother? Or also, why do you despise your brother? For all shall stand, not just a few people, for all shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue confess to God. So then, each one of us will give account concerning other people, concerning himself to God. Let's pray.